0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Design Rewind podcast. Today I have with me Corey Boone. Corey is a technical marketing engineer at Edmund Optics. Uh, Corey, go ahead and actually introduce yourself to everyone, but I wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast and taking the time to talk to
1: me. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thanks for letting me come on. Uh, So hi everybody, my name is Corey Boone. I was an engineer, got an optics degree from the University of Arizona, started as an engineer, but then went to the dark side and I'm in marketing now. Uh, so helping create technical articles, webpages, videos, things like that to educate people in the industry and outside the industry.
0: Very cool. And so so for everyone who's not clear, Edmund Optics is an optics, it's a big optics company. Uh, they have this huge portfolio of everything from lenses to, you know, AR code, you know, AR coding for lenses to full on designed, you know, microscopes and, and every kind of everything in between that you might need for optics. Um What drew you to optics first? Like, what was that? What got you excited about that field initially?
1: So, for me, it was just a happy accident stumbling into optics (laughs) at the University of Arizona since U of A, for those who don't know, is a very big school with their optics program. And I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. I knew I wanted something math or science related. So, I started as a mechanical engineer, but just through the program, saw the other departments, and switched over to Optics, and I got to see some cool demos with lasers and things that department was working on.
0: Yeah, lasers are, this is definitely that big draw initially. It's always, like, it's always like that pretty cool thing you get to tell people about, like, I work with lasers. Yes. Um, so, so you started working uh, in Optics, and then, like you said, you went to the dark side in marketing. Mm-hmm. How did that love affair with marketing start? What What kind of drew you there?
1: So it was also another great accident where uh, I started working at Edmund Optics, my first job out of college. I did an internship there in project management. And my goal when I started there full-time was always to go into project management, but I was in a rotation-based program where you spent a few months in one department and bounce around a little bit. And the head of sales at the time had the wacky idea of having an engineer in the marketing department, because um, as I'm sure happened in most organizations, you know, marketers and engineers just kind of speak different languages. <laughs> Uh, So they wanted to align it a little bit better, having an engineer in there, also helping create technical content, making sure it was accurate. So I did it thinking it would be a couple month short rotation, but I absolutely fell in love with it, ended up leaving the rotation based program early, getting to kind of create my own job description. And since then it's grown into a little team that I lead uh, with our technical marketing.
0: Wow. Very cool. I mean, that's, I don't know that many people who can say at their, their first job, they started a, a new <laughs> group. <laughs> yeah. That's, pr- that's pretty yep, cool. Yeah, lucked out there. Uh, so Edmund Optics, you have this academic and you have this, uh, you have an academic market. So all the people at universities who are researching with optics or need optics equipment, and you have all the industry markets, you know, people like myself, I'm an optical engineer at a company. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to get certain kinds of lenses or whatever, I can go to Edmund Optics and buy it. Given the two different markets, how do you change your marketing campaigns or your, your marketing styles to account for the fact that the, you know, an, how an academic would buy university
1: group, you know, the university lab might buy versus, you know, an industry lab? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big challenge for us because we have so many products and they go into so many different markets and areas, different types of customers. So we just have to tailor different marketing messages. Some things are more tailored for the university, the academic crowd. Like think of the physical catalog. A lot of people may be familiar with Edmund Optics catalog and just all these, you know, the marketplace of things in stock available to ship the next thing. That's a very like Amazon value proposition. Uh, and the idea is, okay, you're in a lab. You need these just one or two lenses. You don't need a whole expensive custom coding run. You're just doing experiments in the lab. And so we, do promotions specially for that crowd and letting them know that we have the things that would help them in a the lab setting. While for industrial customers, you may not care about that at all, except for maybe get something fast for prototyping. But then what you really care about is thousands of pieces a year for volume manufacturing of your part with you know engineering support. So then those are completely different value propositions that we market to those customers. So that's one thing we're always improving and finding new ways to do is segment our big audience and speak to the things they actually care about and not bombard them with unnecessary messages.
0: That's really interesting you say that because I, I think back to my my lab in grad school and I think of, you know, okay, I just like Edmund Optics and or you know, kind of like up there with like there's like Thor Labs and Edmund Optics are like the place mm-hmm. you can always go to to like I need to buy my, you know, lens or my whatever I need, right? That's I go there, I buy it, it comes in the next two days, like you said, that Amazon style value proposition Mm -hmm. but i i've never thought of and i've never initially thought of Edmund optics as like a place i can go design massive volume lenses like you're saying right Mm -hmm. so that's something that made you know coming from the academic side going into industry you
1: know i wouldn't even i wouldn't even have known that until you told me yeah (laughs) so definitely one of our big marketing campaigns things we push is that we manufacture optics because We have such a long history as the catalog company. Many people know us as, you know, back in the Edmund scientific days, they'd order magnets and telescopes from us. Um, That's ingrained in so many people's brains. But a large portion of our business is for uh, OEM, original equipment manufacturer, going to high volume of medical devices or, you know, autonomous systems, automated factories. And so in those cases, the things they care about are very different. So let's say, you know, the university lab will send them the big catalog of what you may be familiar with, But for some of those higher volume customers, instead, we'll send them a capabilities guide. So something all focused on custom manufacturing capabilities, coding, our design and manufacturing centers all across the world, things like that.
0: Wow. Okay. So then that's, that's gotta be, so like you said earlier, that's gotta be a hard thing to to shake off initially with some people is because like, like you said, there's that catalog that you're, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like, I guess the, the uh, mainstream consumer equivalent would be like JC Penny catalog or the Toys mm-hmm. R Us catalog, right? It's like, that's what everyone knows, but you want to shake off that, that view and say, we don't just do this. We do all these other things that you might go to someone else for. Right. So how, how, yeah. So, so that, that push and pull of, we still want to be the catalog people versus, you know, we also do all this custom, like you said,
1: OEM stuff. That's gotta be a hard thing to manage. A little bit. And that's the whole reason we in marketing have jobs Our purpose: is to get <laughs> out to people what we can provide, how we can help them with their applications, um, because you could have the best product or amazing optical designers. But if no one knows about it, no one can take advantage of them for whatever they're working on. So, yeah, so our challenge is get the, the right people, the right message at the right time, which you can never do perfectly, uh, but always just testing different ways to do that, being very metrics driven. Uh, always looking at, you know, it's easier to do that for online things. So for our virtual events and for who goes to what web page, we use that to help uh, get people the information they actually care about. And, you know, uh, you don't want to get emails that you don't care about. You'd unsubscribe from somebody. <laughs> if you're a person who does like high volume laser things, we send you those messages and not unnecessary other ones.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so, this, this, this is actually a great feed into the next question, being that, you know, how you come up uh, first, how do you come up with your content? And do you come up with that idea, you know, organically? Or is that something that's very customer feedback driven, right? Maybe describe mm-hmm. kind of like that, that feedback loop you have of does it, you know, how do you come up with it? Is it data first? Is it you guys first?
1: Both? Yeah, so since I mentioned we're involved in so many different areas as a company. We have internal business lines. So our imaging business will deal with imaging lenses that go onto cameras for automated systems, those types of things. And then we'll have another business line for laser optics, any system using a laser to do materials processing, be in a medical application. And we kind of look at it as as the marketing department. We're essentially an agency helping these business lines, uh, even though we're all in the same company. So I get most of my direction for what articles we create, what videos we make from these business lines. And they have people doing sales specifically for those products, interacting with customers, looking at the market. So let's say for laser optics, they could say, all right, ultra fast lasers are growing in these applications, but we keep being asked these same questions over and over. And that helps us determine, okay, so we could make some frequently asked questions on our website about these things. We could do webinar on this topic. So that's where we get most of our direction but some of it also does come directly from data in the sense of we'll look at search engine information, uh, things that people are commonly searching or kind of keywords that pop up in frequently searched things in Google and other search engines so that we're responding directly to what people are looking for.
0: Okay, so that's that's interesting. So you'll actually monitor like if, like for instance, I'm sure I'll, a popular word these days is a LIDAR, right? If everyone's typing in LIDAR and machine vision and Google, you'll actually look at that data and say, maybe we should make some LIDAR machine vision type
1: seminars. Definitely. And we have certain keywords that we try and optimize our own web pages and content for, for example, if we want to make sure if you search lens or, you know, telecentric lens or laser optic, that Edmund Optics pops up right there. So we try and optimize around these certain keywords. Uh, so that if someone's interested in a topic, our helpful resources or our products pop up when they look for that.
0: Okay, interesting. So, so it sounds like, so it sounds like there's this, there's this very symbiotic relationship between the sales and the marketing department. But mm-hmm. what about with, for instance, like R and D and applications, right? Because there's there's always the R and D and the applications making up the new ideas of the new products and marketing and sales are critical to essentially helping those products succeed. So do, does the marketing ever help feed back into R and D and sales? Does R and D and applications, does R and D applications just come up to you guys and go, this is the new product we want to market. And then maybe, you know, through your marketing, you'll feed back into version two,
1: you know, how mm-hmm. maybe describe some of that dynamic. Yeah, a lot of it comes from those same business lines as they're working directly with R&D. So for example, let's say the laser optics team is working on a new type of surface that's great for certain types of lasers. Uh, Then they'll normally, the business line will come to marketing, but then it's our job to figure out how to get that message out into the world. So we'll work with the people in R&D to get them in conferences, have them present webinars, author papers, things like that to communicate the message out. And then we do share the metrics for how those things do back to see if that informs product development or just future marketing campaigns. So let's say a certain message was a big hit. Lots of people clicked on this thing, were very interested, rated it well. In that case, we'll go back and that will let the business line and R&D know, okay, this was a more successful message. So maybe it's worth investing more in that in the future.
0: Okay. So it sounds like, so yeah, so like you said, it's a very ecosystem driven process. It's, just, you know, it's not just one particular team
1: is, is pushing it. It's a kind of everyone helps push together type thing. True. And it's probably a little more leaning towards the side of they tell us the product they're developing and we market it out to other people, but we definitely want to give them some feedback as well to give them more information to improve their processes or maybe what they should focus on. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: a... I think having worked in R&D, for me, it's one of those things where there's a lot of times R&D will come up with this great idea and if that, so if that idea sits in R&D too long, then what will happen is it'll it'll grow and everyone will get behind it and then it'll get in front of a salesperson finally and they'll be like, this won't work because mm-hmm. all these reasons, right? And so, yes. you know, you want to sometimes head that off early on and and make sure that other people are seeing it and contributing in some way. Um, so that you know you're not spending all this time and energy and money on an idea that's you know not going to make it to market. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely, so, and a lot of the the business lines themselves have people in sales and more customer centric, and so they're also good feedback for the internal R and D. So yeah, it's a little symbiotic relationship between all these different departments. That's the goal, at least. Yeah, that's that's definitely a
0: sign of a very well, you know, focused company. Is that, that ability to Combine all of those aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you said, that that catalog earlier. Going back to the catalog, it's a huge catalog. How do you? I mean, you it must be a real effort to get that many products and that many people all coordinated. What What helps keep that much stuff
1: coordinated? Ooh, what helps keep it coordinated? Well, it is a big, you know, over thirty thousand different types of parts. Because the goal is if you're building an optical system, whatever you need hopefully is in that catalog, kind of a one-stop shop. So you have to keep it all aligned. We have one of those business lines I mentioned is marketplace. So focused on that idea of the one-stop shop and lots of internal training and resources. Because if you think of the poor product support engineers on the phones and answering emails, people can ask about any one of those 30,000 products. Yeah. That's got support, <laughs> yeah. So making sure that they have all the resources available internally, so they don't have to memorize the specs for every one of those lenses, every mirror. <laughs> but make sure that when they get the question about that, you know, the product line manager or whoever is the most familiar with those parts gave them kind of ammo to work with, or is accessible so they can get information about that to respond intelligently to requests about those different types of things.
0: So. It sounds so. So you mentioned that you know there's it's phone, email, or, mm-hmm. and all you know. As there's you have all this product support in place. Um, how 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 did the um, how did the phone thing start? Like that, I'm a little curious mm-hmm. because I'm, I I just I don't know that many comp. I, I know for like if let's say your iPhone's broken, right? If your iPhone's broken. You can call Apple. Mm-hmm. And that's like you know someone there will talk to you. It's, it's funny to me that in science and, and in engineering, right, that there's a call center that yeah. specifically has that is, you know, any one of our products you can help. So what, what, why, why the call center?
1: So it was established before my time, but the general idea is, okay, you could email a question, but if you're in a lab and, or in the R&D of an industrial company and something isn't working correctly or you just need to know this one specification that isn't on the website, you don't want to wait a day for an email necessarily. So the ability to reach somebody in the moment via the phone or right now we do live chat, you know, through the website if you don't want to oh, wow. talk to somebody. So that just gives you the chance to get a response much faster, talk to a real person, and even if maybe there's a web page that already answers your question, they can just direct you to that web page and it saves you the step of digging through Google search results.
0: Huh. Okay. Yeah, that's that's just interesting to me, like I said, because it's you know, we think of I guess I think it, it's interesting to me that there's these more of these kind of what you would see in a consumer electronic business mm-hmm. being applied to a very I mean, almost like a B2B style. I mean, would you would you say admin optics is B2B mostly or B2C or Definitely.
1: The vast majority of with a few exceptions of maybe your obvious yeah. who wants lenses for your own personal use, almost all of it is B2B. Um but yeah, no, it's great because it's the same idea of just instant response to a customer and customer service. So even though maybe you think of different industries with that type of live chat or services, it's so helpful to get your response right away. And we try and give customers all those different ways to get answers to what they're looking for. Wow. So um,
0: uh, one of the reasons we got you on the podcast was you know, I've, I've noticed through LinkedIn that um, mm-hmm. your, t- your TikTok content is very, yes. very popular. And I know you're very involved with, I believe it's now called Optica, but it was called the OSA. Um, it's just the Optical Society of uh, America, I believe. Um, and what,
1: what made you want to start that TikTok content? So I, for my own personal reasons, wanted to just make a science-y TikTok, just talking about, you know, related science terms. But I know that for Edmund, it was something we've been thinking about for a bit because we're active on social media, making YouTube videos, posting on Instagram, those types of channels. But TikTok is obviously something that's growing very fast, especially with younger users. And so for us, it has a couple of different goals. One of it is just educational outreach, just teaching people about optics, science-related concepts to hopefully get the employees and customers of the future, you know, looking 15 years down the line. Um, Another goal is industry awareness. Like I'm sure you're familiar. If someone asks what optics is or what you do, they'll think of eyeglasses. They really have no clue how much optics impacts the real life. Yeah. Yeah. And one of our organizational goals for the future is to really spread awareness of optics and show other industries how this could help areas in our life that optics currently aren't involved in. Because clearly, photonics is a huge growing area uh, with more and more applications as things like augmented reality automation and other concepts advance
0: yeah i i think it's it's funny even even within science even within you know engineering if you uh, or or you know other disciplines right if you ask someone about optics they're going to say like you know eyeglasses right mm-hmm. they're going to they're start with that and they're not really going to say they might have taken like a physics class and said there's some ray tracing you do and that's it but yeah. as you and i as you and i know it's a very Big field. It's a growing field. We have, you know, all of the autonomous sensing is coming out of optics works, and you know, optics is driving so many different markets. So it is, it is important to as as you as you said, it's important to raise that awareness and, and teach people about it. um I think TikTok's an interesting place to teach about it because you know it is. I think especially for instance in the B two B space, mm-hmm. I've had a couple people, you know come back to me and say like, th- this isn't their audience, like, mm-hmm. you know, TikToks, TikToks for kids, you know, just like they said, Facebook was for college students. Like it's not useful. And, um, you know, how, how did that conversation evolve at Edmund from this idea that, you know, TikTok is this platform where everyone dances to songs mm-hmm. to this is something we can use for education. How did that conversation go?
1: Yeah. So it is a, a valid point where, you know, the people on TikTok likely aren't looking to buy it, a- Lens. But that's okay. It's a different, you know, I, I mentioned the earlier goals, uh, some different reasons for going on it, but at least for me, one unexpected benefit of making all this TikTok content is how useful it is for channels like LinkedIn, where your customers actually are. Um, so certain videos. Uh, so for most of the TikToks, I try and focus on an optics related concept, but a lot of them will just focus on something else science related and certain topics. I know we'll do well or often do well on TikTok like, you know, facts about black holes or something else like that. While some other topics like showing how a cylinder lens creates a laser line and, you know, these actual optical demonstrations, I know we'll do better on LinkedIn. So we still make these TikTok videos, but then we can share some of these directly on LinkedIn, a slightly more professional channel, and then our actual customers, colleagues, other people in the industry see that content And that still establishes us as thought leaders and experts in the area, even though at first we're making these kind of, you could argue, more uh, young-centric TikToks, but it's useful in the industry. And okay, maybe they're not your customers now, but maybe they're a high schooler that's trying to see what to to pursue. And if they get interested in optics, that's a potential customer or other person in the industry that's now familiar with your company.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point you make that it is you know it's it's that age group right now but it's like you said a the future and b you know that platform just like you know i think as you know facebook started off college students and now facebook Mm -hmm. ads primarily target like 50 plus Mm -hmm. people you know people who are 50 years or older it's primarily an older audience now so platforms evolve over time um so tiktok could evolve into an uh you know a a slightly older crowd that is a young professionals and that's that could work. So I I think it's I think it's really important to accept all like that, all these platforms. Right. It's not just go on Twitter, tweet about your product. It's about be involved on all the different platforms.
1: Exactly. Be where people are. And I think that change is already happening because at first, yeah, TikTok was all dance trends. But now I have colleagues in their 40s that are using TikTok because The app is good at figuring out what you actually care about. So all these dances, they're getting cooking recipes and science-related content, and that's where we pop up. So already I'm seeing more uh, people that aren't in their teens using TikTok. Uh, So it's not even just reaching your audience of the future. Increasingly now, it's reaching actual people that may be in your industry today.
0: That's very cool. So, So Edmund Optics has a presence on all social media it's on twitter it's on linkedin faith, Every everything
1: yeah for the most part instagram okay. facebook twitter linkedin youtube if you consider that social media tiktok um and yeah it's just okay. being <laughs> omnipresent sounds scary being where <laughs> your customers are being where people in your industry are spending their time and so the content you make
0: f- for one platform it doesn't you do you have a general strategy of you know, make one piece of content and spew it out to all platforms? Or do you try and, you know, specify your content to the platform?
1: So we try and draw from, you know, if we put the time in to create an idea or create some content to use it across as many platforms as possible, but you definitely tailor it for your, your channel, for your audience. So on LinkedIn, we may share, you know, a more technical thing than I would share on TikTok or, you know, on Instagram, we'll share more company culture, And some of these other topics that are just more relevant to the audience on them. But definitely if we, let's say, create a whole thing about ruggedized lenses, maybe we'll email out a white paper and a video. And then that video is more useful for some of the social channels, Instagram, Facebook, Um, and then short snippets or a short TikTok related to that would still draw from the same content, but it's just better suited for the TikTok audience.
0: Okay. So would you, would you encourage other businesses to, even though they are B2B, right? Let's say, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, optics is one of these awkward businesses where it is a very sophisticated thing. And you could argue it's not terribly different from, you know, RF or, or microwave and, you know, all these other businesses, right? Uh, would you, do you think other businesses should also be using TikTok? Or do you think it's something
1: that, you know, needs to be contextual? I think it could be useful for a wide range of different types of businesses, Um, Like I mentioned, it's being where your audience is. And even if TikTok skews more towards younger audience, increasingly more people are using it. And uh, at least in the optics industry, we were just talking about industry awareness and letting people know what optics is. So, you know, that's not the goal of a private, you know, of a for-profit company, but that's another goal where you just kind of help your industry in general. But you can also help your own company by showing that you're knowledgeable in the area, creating this TikTok content. Like I just said, a lot of it is very useful for LinkedIn or other methods as well. Um, and just building an audience is useful even if you think of TikTok as more of the for fun, younger crowd, still building that audience could be customers, colleagues, other people in your industry in the future.
0: Yeah, so you you brought up an interesting point there that it's about building an audience and mm-hmm. it's, you know, you you essentially... You're, I think one of the one of the great misconceptions sometimes in marketing is that it's about the quick pitch and the offer and the here's your you know like uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a typical kind of like sleazy marketing yeah man, approach man like, yeah thinking of <laughs> yeah some sleazy ads. Yeah, there's there's some of that. There's definitely some of that sleazy stuff, but I'm mean, uh, I'm thinking more of like uh you know like the the lawyer the, co- the call you know phone a lawyer who's like I'll give you a 45 minute consultation and like mm-hmm. the whole goal of it is just to get you to buy something, right? But Edmund's content is obviously you want people to buy things, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. It's not like this. It's not always this like direct ask. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you manage that? How do you how do you like? What, what's the approach there? Is it just like give a bunch and just wait for people to come back? Like how, what's the thought process?
1: So especially in a B2B organization, but also in all other types of business, it may be a longer buying cycle or buying process than you initially think of. So yeah, my whole job, focus on technical marketing. You know, I'm not just making TikToks, making <laughs> published articles, conference presentations it is just establishing, you know, sharing valuable information with people in the field So that, okay, if someone is using lenses, you can help them choose the right lens, know what things are good for different applications, so that eventually when it comes time that they do make a purchase, why would they not go to the people that guided them through the process that they know are knowledgeable in that area? So part of it is just that long game for establishing yourself as a thought leader. Um, And then some of it can be more buying-centric. You can create a selection guide that's still useful for someone that's maybe further on in the purchasing journey and is ready to make a a purchase, letting them know, all right, this is the exact thing you want for this situation or this situation. And then some of those messages are more, you know, this is available in stock, buy it now. While a lot of what I focus on is that longer term, educate people, give them valuable things uh, that they can reference, that they can go back to. And then you're top of mind when it comes time to actually make a purchase.
0: So that longer buy, you know, that, that, that ability, because I think, especially in marketing metrics, it can, it can be difficult to say, you know, a lot of people want to know the ROI. They want to know mm-hmm. uh, that, okay, if I invest this much in my Facebook marketing campaign or my Twitter or whatever it is, right, and, and if I buy this these sections out of a trade magazine, what's the money or the leads I get back from that? And they want to quantify that data because then that can ideally tell you how, how well you're doing. Mm-hmm. but how do you balance those metrics with also the fact that it, it like you said it just some things are long long like, like it takes patience for some mm-hmm. of these things to come up and like in in maybe two years someone will remember oh that was that clever Edmund optics ad i'm gonna buy you know 50 thousand worth of dollars worth of stuff from them because i remember that mm-hmm. so how do you how do you balance the two of like it's
1: a long-term game and it's a short-term game
0: Yeah, no, it's a good point. There's a lot of different
1: metrics, like for a digital ad, you can see directly, okay, they went to this page and made a purchase. Great. But a lot of times that's not the case. So for some things like we do these virtual summits, so virtual events where our own engineers, people from other companies in the industry will speak, you know, webinars, video demonstrations, things like that. So that's a whole education piece. Uh, And for that, and things like in-person trade shows, what we do is we Monitor the people that attended, the people that were at the booth, at the trade show, or watch this virtual event. And then we can track what purchases they make going forward over months. So talking long game, look at six months out. And then while you can't see causation necessarily, you can at least see we're getting this marketing content in front of the right people. These people attended this event, event and then their purchasing increased by this amount. And again, you can't say because they attended this one virtual event, they spent ten thousand dollars more, but you can see that you're reaching the right audience.
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess I guess being contextual with your audience seems like a very important thing, especially in B2B, because you know, it can be awkward and clunky sometimes of, of depending on which engineer or which product manager or whoever it is that you're in front of, who are you trying to sell to and who who, who needs to see this, right? Maybe mm-hmm the sale, you know, maybe it is the sales guy. Maybe it is the engineer who is actually working on it. I think the end customer, the customer is, is, is a is really, really interesting kind of like discussion that we, we have in, in business of who is the actual end customer. Cause we know who we sell to, but who are they trying to sell to and who are they trying to sell? Right. So how, how does, how does Edmunds marketing kind of work down that line of, okay, we know our end customer might be someone in a lab but maybe their end customer is actually, you
1: know, two or three or four steps down from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one thing that I've learned, you know, I studied engineering, I have an engineering background and I'm just figuring out marketing on the fly (laughs) a little bit more through whatever courses I can attend, you know, working on an MBA, things like that. But really one thing I've learned throughout the whole process is highlighting the customer benefit. Why do they care that you have you a know, thousand new lenses in stock. So yeah, figuring out who the end customer is and highlighting the benefit. And there's so many different customer types that again, that's a very segmented thing. So let's say you're in the university lab, you may care about cost, you probably have a set budget. Uh, so cost is more of a concern as well as the time of, all right, right, you know, something's due coming up fast, you better uh, secure it before your next grant needs to be written. Uh, so then those are the value propositions you highlight in your messaging to them. While let's say you're setting up a factory for automation and it's more of a high volume, you need so many lenses. The things you may care about, the customer benefit, may be the volume discount and the dedicated engineering support and some of the key specifications, you know, how these lenses will improve throughput or increase depth of field. So, just identifying who the customer is, or like you said, maybe who their customer is. And highlight the specific thing that would pique their attention, or would make a difference in what they're trying to create.
0: Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think we've gone through all the questions I have for today. Um, bit short of a podcast, you I answered all of them really, really well. I want to thank you, you for coming. <laughs> thank you for coming on, Corey. It's been uh, really fun having you. Um, if anyone wants to follow you or your content, I know you're on you're very popular on LinkedIn. Um, any other Twitter or, or, you know, other social media platforms you want to shout out or plug in here?
1: Yeah. So uh, for Edmund Optics, you can look them up on you know Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those channels. For myself, I'm more active on our uh, TikTok. So it's just at Edmund Optics on TikTok, as well as uh, the Edmund Optics page on LinkedIn, my own personal page on LinkedIn, Corey Boone, C-O-R-Y-E-O-O-N-E. And I guess just one more thing I'll add, you know, we talked about a lot about how Edmund markets and works on these different ideas, just some more encouragement or thought for anybody in the industry that's been very technical focus, that marketing and all these other opportunities are actually great places to be. If you have the technical background, you know, in order to market to a technical company, you need to be able to speak intelligently about the idea, about the concept. And for me personally, just opens so many great paths to combine the technical side with more of the what you may initially consider fluffy marketing side <laughs> suggest that there are so many additional opportunities beyond what you may initially consider in your career for, you know, side projects or just areas of interest wherever you end up going. Yeah. I think that's a great
0: point you made, Corey, that, you know, it is, um, it, there is so much more to just being technical. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us in school are, are, focus on just doing you know getting through the coursework being technical and you know some of us maybe even fall in love with the the science engineering aspects of it and it's great it's we we always need good scientists we always need good engineers you know we always want those subject matter experts to really help us along in some ways but there is a there's a ton of opportunity and being able to translate that to people who are not familiar and give the succinct focused value proposition. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's, you know, that's really, I, I uh, my last job, I was in Silicon Valley for about a year and a half. And so I was around startup culture. I, I, I got to see some of that and the best, most interesting startups were always these people who had very simple, very succinct pointed, you know, talking points that were just like this this is the value proposition and they could break everything down from very technical to high level. And I Mm -hmm. think that's, that's something that's always valued in in engineering. And and I think marketing and sales are the kind of fields that, that should spend more time with engineers and vice versa. Like you said, so definitely great there. Um, Any new exciting things coming up for Edmund that you want to go ahead and shout out to, I saw the ruggedized lenses uh, were a new campaign. Um, yep yeah ruggedized lenses
1: ultrafast lasers is a huge growing space and we're focusing more on that and uh, one fun thing photonics west 2022 first yes real big in-person show in the states we've had some smaller ones since covid shut the world down uh so uh, yeah we'd love to see you at the show if you're attending or to learn more things going on laser optics imaging things from and we'd love to see you at photonics west
0: yeah a photonic for anyone who uh is involved in optics or, or is familiar with optics photonics west is uh i've i've gone for two years i believe it's it's a very fun show mm-hmm. there's so much there um they usually have the the bio optics um showcase like the weekend before it, i believe and it's mm-hmm. it's a very very fun conference almost every manufacturer of every kind is there um emerging technology really cool talks too i mean i'm sure as you know cory you're probably preparing a bunch of conference papers and reviewing mm. things right now yeah <laughs> so um but yeah definitely encourage anyone who can to go to photonics west um cool well thank you so much Corey. appreciate having you on you're very welcome thanks for having me all right thanks Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Design Rewind Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please follow the show on Anchor, Apple, or Spotify. Give me a review and follow me on Twitter at Design Rewind Pod. Would you or someone you'd know like to be on the show? Shoot me an email at designrewindpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me or hit me up on LinkedIn. Thanks.